Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. How about that story uh, you heard from Maria there? 3,000 students have somehow disappeared from the roles of the Salt Lake City School District. What's that about? Uh, We don't know exactly what the answer is. So let me ask you uh, to help me answer it. I have a hypothesis, and uh, this comes from a conversation that we've had uh, playing out over the past few months with uh, a coworker of ours here, uh, the the producer of the movie show. She's got uh, children in the Salt Lake City School District, and, uh, well, when it was revealed that that district was going to uh, be online only for the uh, indefinite future. I know they say, I know the superintendent has said that the goal is to have students back in the class maybe by the end of the first term, or at least uh, at that stage they'd reevaluate things. Uh, there is no guarantee. There, there is uh, no time certain date uh, on which parents can plan on having their children back in the classroom. And that's a challenging thing. I mentioned that coworker of ours. You see, uh, she and her husband, they, they work full time. The, the reality of having a kid in the classroom for a certain amount of time each day frees them up to go uh, work, earn a living, uh, keep the lights on, keep the roof over the head, keep food in the bellies of all in the household. All right, that is a, that's a real thing. And if, you know, parents aren't able to send their, their children to school for a stretch of time in the middle of the day, but that option is available in some other district, I wonder if a healthy percentage of those 3,000 who have disappeared from the roles of the Salt Lake City School District uh, are now attending Davis or uh, Canyons or some other district where uh, they're able to to be in the classroom a bit more than, uh, well, Salt Lake is offering right now. So the reason I bring that up is I'd like to hear from you. I'd like to know, and we may explore this topic uh, in greater depth at a later date, but that 3,000 number caught my attention. So would you do me a favor? If uh, If you are a parent of a student who, you know, based on geography, would live within the boundaries of the Salt Lake City School District, but just due to reality and your own personal family logistics and economy, have needed to take the the drastic action of pulling your kid out of the district, moving him over to a district that uh, is offering in-person instruction, would you let me know? 57500. That's the Utah Community Credit Union text line, 57500. Uh, Let me know. Have you made that decision? Are you uh, part of... Are you a parent of one of those 3,000 students? Uh, anyway, uh, this coronavirus, it's hitting us uh, upside the head in all kinds of ways. Uh, you heard uh, just earlier today uh, the new 
numbers about the the coronavirus, which came from the Utah Department of Health. Unfortunately, uh, you know that good trajectory we've been enjoying for for so long. Uh, well, it seems uh, it seems that right now we're seeing something different. Yeah, fi- the the new number today: five hundred and sixty three cases, five hundred and sixty three uh, positive cases. That's an increase uh, from yesterday, uh, and our seven day. Uh, rolling average for positive tests, uh, I, I hate to say this, it's 487. September 1, it was south of 400. We were under that 400 line, and we have crept back up significantly. Now, uh, Dr. Dunn Dr. Dunn explains that, or at least she presents uh, some supplemental data uh, to help us try to understand that. She says, we are experiencing a clear upward trend in case counts right now. That trend is being driven in large part by an increase in cases among college-aged young adults in Utah County. Since last Friday, 39% of all new cases have come from Utah County. This, despite the fact that Utah County's population represents just 20% of the state's population. Most of those cases are among 14 to 24-year-olds, and the majority of those are among college-aged young adults. All right, And it's happening, uh, and it's concentrated in Utah County in the college communities. Uh, but it is not 100%. It's not the full—it doesn't represent the full number of cases. All right, And I have some data here that may shed some light— uh, on on the rest of us, the other uh, what was it, forty one percent of increased case numbers. Okay, where, where does where does that come from? Where do those uh, uh, numbers come from? And th- there may be uh, some insight available uh, by looking at social media, specifically specifically in how concerned you and I are uh, about the coronavirus, as determined by analyzing social media. We don't talk a ton about social media. This isn't really a tech show. I try to you know, focus on current events and uh, politics and things like that. But th- this caught my attention. So the, the reality is, since the dawn of the coronavirus, there has been some fascinating things to transpire uh, in, the, in the online world. Social media saw, understandably, a massive, massive uptick in uh, in like pandemic type stories, uh, coronavirus, COVID-19, all of those buzzwords associated with the pandemic uh, through the roof. All right. Obviously, uh, levels that we had never before seen. And this happened uh, about mid-March. And since then, there has been a steady decline. And now we have, uh, for the first time, uh, fallen back to levels uh, akin to those we were seeing uh, at late February. You see, late February, if you remember, and this feels like an eternity ago, uh, but late February was a time well before the virus uh, had really uh, made itself present and known here in the United States. We, there was no, no one was even considering lockdowns. Uh, masks were crazy then. Uh, and no one's washing their hands. Well, hopefully some people are washing their hands. Uh, but not as obsessively as I'm seeing uh, producer Amy uh, uh, sanitize her hands at this very moment. Uh, she wouldn't have done that before February. This is a new thing for her. Uh, filthy little hands before then. Uh we are now seeing uh, online traffic related to the coronavirus akin to when it was a uh, far-off overseas mystery, right? Uh, those are the days that we were speaking uh, with uh, the Herring couple. Remember uh, John and Irene Herring? They 
stuck in Japan for a time. Uh, yeah, that that they were an anomaly. They were one of maybe six Utahns who had the coronavirus at that time. And oh my gosh, they were making national headlines. Their experience was so rare. And now uh, we are engaging uh, the coronavirus at that level uh, online. And so what's to explain that? Well, there is general fatigue. Then there's also this caveat that much of the traffic associated with the coronavirus online, much of our social media activity uh, about revolving around the coronavirus also had to do with politics. We had affixed so inextricably from the the from coronavirus uh, the idea of politics uh, that that right now we may be <laughs> experiencing a double dose of fatigue, uh, coronavirus itself, and also politics. Now here. <laughs> I have. Oh, shoot. I'm out of time. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm i not sure who put this together for me, but I've got before me <laughs> the, the, the grand sage Matthew McConaughey here warning against uh, partisan division uh, over coronavirus. I don't have time to play that for you right now. Maybe we'll find some time later in the, the, the program. But uh, what he does is, I'm guessing, illustrates that uh, we really shouldn't be uh, conflating these two issues. Unfortunately, uh, we have. And it's gotten out of control. But for whatever the explanation, we now online, in terms of our social media activity, uh, are now down below levels uh, before the coronavirus upended our life. Interesting stuff. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, uh, my guest, Senator Mike Lee, he has been back and forth with the big tech companies. Uh, He has some serious questions about censorship and about their views on conservatism and fairness. We'll talk to him about that also. Also, he's written a letter to the CEO of Netflix. He'd like to see that movie Cuties taken down. We'll see if he's gotten a response next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.